1: It's finals weekend here at the Australian Open. We've got Stefano Sitspas trying to end the domination of Novak Djokovic at this event. He is now 27 matches in a row unbeaten. And in the women's final, we've got Wimbledon champion Elena Rybakina up against Arena Sabalenka trying to win her first Grand Slam title. Uh, you're going to hear from George and Calvin. George Belshaw, our resident tennis writer, and Calvin Beton, of course, our tennis coach. You're going to hear from them a little bit later on because this is Tennis Unfiltered.
0: Five, four, three, two,
2: one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. So let's kick off with the men's... Semi-finals today, Calvin, and a little little chat about the final. So we had Novak Djokovic beating Tommy Paul 7-5, 6-1, 6-2. And Stefanos Sisypvas beating Carrie Hatchinov 7-6, 4-6. Sorry, 6-4, 6-7, 6-3. Let's start with Djokovic, shall we? Because I, I feel like he's been probably the most talked about person this whole tournament and as he so often is these days yeah. um it's another comfortable win, wasn't it? I mean, you you sent a fantastic text, kind of in the first set um, was when it I think five?
0: four five. Let's get is it four, four five?
2: F- yeah, so Djokovic I think had been about five two up, and then it had yeah. come back to it was about to come back to five all, and you text saying, "Oh, Djokovic, you'll still win this 6-2, six, two, six, two, I think you did, and then yeah, you sent yeah. a funny follow up earlier saying you'd overegg Tommy Paul's ability. But g- give us your read on the on the match as a whole, and perhaps a little bit more on your thoughts on Djokovic and how good he is at the minute given this hamstring injury and inverted
0: commas. Um, I I mean, you know, the matchup was just great because like uh, Tommy Paul's actually done really well and he's, he's a good player, but for all intents and purposes, Tommy Paul is basically a, a, I don't know, a a K list Djokovic, isn't (laughs) he? (laughs) On, on, on the big scheme of things. Like there's not a single thing that you would say that Tommy Paul, there's not a single battle that Tommy Paul wins on that. Um, and I don't see, I don't really don't see any way that he could ever beat Djokovic, to be honest. Um, so it was a, you know, it's a great draw for Djokovic. And then I think, you know, as, as always, though, you know, he can play a bit. And Djokovic got got his lead, and then he, he he lost the lead. He got back on serve, and then he was clutching the hamstring, which amazingly hadn't bothered him before that and didn't bother him remotely after that. But just when he got broke, the the hamstring must have must have opened up again i suppose yeah yeah he's just played phenomenally well isn't he he doesn't seem to be far off his best you, you know you think if this is if his best is a 10 out of 10 you'd say this is probably something like a 9.3 what he's doing at the minute
2: when you say like his best being 10 are we talking his best Within the context, of the last couple of years, or are we talking kind of career best? Like, how how far do you think he is? I don't think there's has, has there
0: been has there been much difference. I would think you know for for maybe the last. I don't think he was at his best last year, to be honest. But like the year before that, I think he's been pretty much at the same standard for about ten years, minus those uh, minus the tree hugging phase, hasn't he?
2: Which <laughs> is pretty uh, phenomenal longevity, isn't it? I mean, he you know
0: yeah. Yeah, it did crack me on. I think we talked about it in our group, didn't we? That Mick Kyrgios often he, he always fires in this stuff about how when you know <laughs> I, I beat when I beat Djokovic. I, like I was i watching Djokovic today and I don't know how I beat him. We beat him when he went when he went like I don't know what he was doing. You know I don't know what you know he's like hugging trees. He sacked all his coaches, going round with a, a life guru instead of a tennis coach, and just went completely off form when he was losing to you know he lost to a load of players in that period. So. Uh, that's how we beat him um but other than that you take those take that 18 month period out of it and he's he's been the best player in the world hasn't he comfortably yeah
2: what do you think there's anything kind of more special about this tournament from his perspective given what happened last year you know the whole kind of getting deported you know it was such a such a a, probably such a huge low point in his career in so many ways like the some of the stuff that kind of kicks off here you know the potential of not being able to come back and then you know however much we're reading into this hamstring injury or not you know he's claiming there's been this kind of further thing that's hampering him now but yet to play such a good level of tennis and almost kind of stick it to them, in some ways. How, well, listen, right? Like he, he
0: hasn't. He, he hasn't got an hamstring injury. I'm not even entering the debate into. It. He hasn't <laughs> got an hamstring injury. Like this, as, as I've said on the last two pods we've done, he wouldn't be able to play <laughs> with a hamstring injury. And you know, he, he said, like somebody said to me the other day on Twitter that, that Annabelle Croft had heard from a source. I'd love to know who this source was who knows Djokovic's <laughs> medical details and, and the scan detail. She'd heard from a source that he had a 1.5 centimeter tear. Like, do you, like 1.5 centimeter tear in the hamstring is like you you can barely even move your leg <laughs> like it's like and she's like if it moved to a two he's out of the tournament right if you've got a 1.5 centimeter tear and you're gonna play a tennis match the way that nobody plays a tennis match or the way that anybody plays a tennis match me or you if you've got a 1.5 centimeter tear by the end of that tennis match it will be at two. I guarantee you, it will be at two. <laughs> like that. That's that's how a hamstring tear works, and and I'll give some sort of context to that. If you've got to think of the hamstring muscle, I suppose like an elastic band, and if you put a little tear in elastic, if you if you put a little tear in an elastic band, and then you pull it, which is what happens when you run, if you extend it, everyone knows the elastic band will snap and that's why he hasn't got a tear in his hamstring i can guarantee he has not got a tear in his hamstring or a pull um but um does it um, does it mean more with the last year i don't think so george like i think he's like you know he goes on court and this is how he plays the whole time he's not played any different from from any other any other tournament he plays he's he's a, he's a competitor isn't he he's a born competitor maybe the best competitor or one of the best competitors we've ever seen in the sport
2: yeah it's going to be do, do you see any chance of him losing this final? No, I mean, we'll...
0: no, I, I don't see. how I, I just don't see it, to be honest. You never know. I mean, no, you never know with Djokovic. He has these weird matches, doesn't he? Like the US Open when he lost to Medvedev yeah. and he was just in bits and stuff like that. And you just never know with him, especially in finals. That's kind of the area where he's gone a bit, he's been occasionally fragile but i say occasionally because he's normally not remotely fragile but it's a weird one to judge because it'd be interesting if we were getting a city pass who we thought he's coming in serious like now he's turned the corner but Mm. he's had such a tasty draw hasn't he that you wonder like whether can we actually say that he's coming in serious or is he, is he really playing any better than he has been the last year, which hasn't been all that brilliant.
2: I'd written basically that exact question down in my notes, Calvin, to say, has he turned a corner or are we just saying he's had such a good draw? I mean, you know, we always say you can only beat what's in front of you. And me and James had a bit of a squabble over WhatsApp earlier about who's had the worst (laughs) draw, Jock Richards, which, when you're having that argument, doesn't necessarily like (laughs) uh, ring the praises of the tournament, does it? No, it doesn't.
0: Um, yeah, it's it's been a. I, I do think the tournament's been a dud, George. To be fair, like I, I don't think we'll remember the Mar- the Murray matches. It, without this tournament, I don't think there will have been one memorable match that doesn't include Andy Murray. Yeah, that, I mean, but that's, uh, that's quite an interesting. I, I look I look uh, back uh, at, at it. And I always I look back at it. And I always think I think the U.S. Open 2016 was my my favorite Slam in recent years. And I look, I can just remember some of the matches, like Vavrinka Evans. Uh, Del Potro went on his run. Uh, Del Potro beat Team in that great match, um, mm. and then um, Evans Nadal, Evans beat I think Chilich as well, maybe. And and there was just some and Vrinka beat Vrinka beat yeah. Novak in the final. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Novak had that weird run there where he just kept getting water. He was that was actually he had like loads
2: walkovers. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that was in his uh, his tree the tree hugging phase, and he still made a final because everyone just kept pulling out. Um, <laughs> and then Stan duffed him in the final, but. Um, I don't think this has been a great tournament at all. And I think, I think the final might be indicative of that, to be honest.
2: Yeah. I mean, the records tend to Djokovic, Sissipas. I mean, Sissipas also, just to kind of steer the focus to him a little bit. I mean, he can become world number one if he wins this match, which feels a bit weird considering we've kind of feel this guy's gone off the ball so <laughs> so much. I mean, would he be a deserving number one if he were to win this match?
0: Does anybody think he's the best tennis player in the world? That's the question. I don't.
2: would be hard I, push, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, that, could you say he's better? Even if he wins, can you say he's better than Alcaraz? Can you say he's better than Djokovic? Like, yeah, you could make an argument that he's behind those two, I suppose, because who else would you say is there at the minute? Um, But... Other than that, I mean, you know, you can say, look, he beats Sinner, but I think I'd I'd bunch those two together, and I think you know if they play, I think on current form, if they play ten times, they'd probably win five each. Um, you know, so but I think I do think that both of them are around about tenth in the world, you know, maybe eighth, ninth, tenth in the big scheme of things if everybody's fit.
2: I mean, Djokovic can also become number one, which I suppose we'd feel more comfortable with an in inverted commas yeah, in the yeah. sense that, you know, it, it, I don't think, you know, in all our arguments last year about who was the best player, we said, okay, Nadal maybe had the best first half of the season, but with the caveat Djokovic wasn't in Australia, Alcaraz probably had the best season yeah, yeah. as a whole, being able to attend everything, but Djokovic really was pretty shit hot in the events he was able to play and oh, yeah, was forced yeah. out of two yeah. slams, so... You know, Djokovic yeah. getting back I, there wouldn't feel uncomfortable, would it?
0: I, if I, I'm looking forward to seeing how when Alcaraz comes back, seeing him and Djokovic play a few times, like yeah. just to see, because you know, everyone's like, I have a mate of mine who's just like, he, he loves saying stuff like, "Oh, the new generation, they're just rubbish. They can't beat, they can't beat Djokovic. They can't beat Nadal." And I, you know, Alcaraz is the I, I think the thing is, I think we saw this from Rublev that I always think that sport at the elite level is about two things. Are you good enough? Do you believe you're good enough? And and some players have one of those and some players have neither of them and, and very few have both. And I think Alcaraz is both. He's good enough and he thinks he can beat the best players. He thinks he can beat Djokovic and Nadal and Pass and Medvedev and that kind of thing. And I think that this is where it comes to with with Pass. And, and I think it will come to that. I think Tsitsipas actually is good enough to beat Djokovic. I don't think he thinks he's good enough. I don't think he believes he is good enough. And I think Rublev was that. You saw it the other day. Rublev didn't think he could beat Djokovic. No chance.
2: Yeah. I mean, you've touched on kind of what we were discussing a little bit of the group this week, weren't there? There was a, a bit of a, a tweet I kind of pulled in there from someone called at the Sentinel 909 who said to people complaining about weak opposition to Djokovic, dot, dot, dot. Do you realize this is Djokovic, right? The guy who painstakingly broke through the hegemony of the two most dominant players of all time, Federer and Nadal, like more of a, half of his grandson's tally is versus these guys. Hello, I mean, are we, are we are we harsh on this young generation? I know we're saying Alcaraz is really good and you know praising him there, but is is this an unfair yardstick to beat people like this? with that, you're not as good as. Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal.
0: No, no, because every every generation has to come. If they don't beat them, they're not good enough. You know, like, we, that's that's how it works. You don't give them a pass going, oh, you know, but they they're up against the very good players. Yeah, that's not how it works. You, you're judged on, on who you beat. You're judged on whether you can beat the people who are currently the best in the world. And if they can't beat them again, it's what I'm saying. It comes down to, are you good enough? And do you believe you're good enough? Belief is a huge thing. Belief is a massive thing in sport at, at, at that level. And and I watch players go on. I don't think. I mean, Tommy Paul today. I don't think was either good enough to beat Djokovic, and he didn't believe he, he didn't believe he was. I think Kyrios, for example, isn't good enough to beat Djokovic in this form. But I think he believes he probably is. Or I, I don't know. I don't actually know whether he does believe it. So there's a lot of bluff from Kyrios. <laughs> um, but but Alcaraz, I guarantee you, if Alcaraz was going on that court against Djokovic on Sunday, he would be certain he's beating him. I, and he's an the only
2: one. I guess if I was to give like a, a cross sport example, and you can tell me I'm chatting nonsense here, but thinking of like a team sport, for example, like Ballon d'Or winners in football. Now, whether you take those as kind of yeah, credible yeah. or not. But you might say for the ten years before Messi and Ronaldo, you know, those players were the best player in the world, but they never had to prove they were the best player in the world by beating a Messi and Ronaldo and you get different generations and, you know, different people peak at the sport. Are there those athletes that I kind of think Djokovic, Federer and Nadal might fit into that are so good that they're kind of transcending these generations and then maybe lift that bar a bit too high for kind of mere mortals if that makes sense. And no, you a little get, bit more
0: defense. You do get generations that are better than other generations. You know, and we had one like the early two thousands wasn't a great generation for tennis in terms of players all time players. It, it it wasn't um it was you, you know, you look at the players who were around then good players, you know, very, very good players. Carlos Moyer, Albert Costa, Leighton Hewitt, Rios, um Carlos Ferrero, uh, Safin, Roddick. You know, and then the g- good players, but not not all time players. And before that, we'd had uh, Agassi and Agassi and Sampras. What you do? I mean, I've I've said this before. I think on the podcast when you get you, you rarely get an all time player who who's there by himself. Like they they tend to come in in twos or threes: McEnroe, Borg, Connors, Agassi, Sampras, um, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Um, I've seen I actually saw, and. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? And, and you know, and, and it's chicken and egg, really. It's like, if, if, say, there is no one else and Alcaraz dominates for the next 10, 15 years, is it one of those where we'll have him as an all-time great or will we stick him in the sort of, the kind of the Mike Tyson thing of going, well, he's not because there's no one else around? Um, and it could be one of those. Um, he has at the, least
2: he, got some wins over Djokovic and Well,
0: I think name, that's important. so that will think, help yeah. him, to be fair. I, th- I think that's important, yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's it, it's an interesting one, I think.
2: Yeah, uh, I'll just read you a, a quick quote from Djokovic, which isn't desperately interesting, but just to say they have spoken today. Uh, I'm just really pleased to get to another final, he says. Uh, the man you pointed out forgets all his finals, Kelvin. Um, yeah. I respect him a lot. He has improved a lot over the years. I actually think he's one of the most interesting guys on the tour with his interests off-court, his hairstyle, but it's all business on Sunday. Let the best player win. So much to unpack in that weird.
0: <laughs> it sounds like, I saw it. It was like, it was like, it was like one of the weird characters on um, Take Me Out. Wasn't it? <laughs> you know, and they give their intro and they do like this rehearsed like line. It was kind of like that.
2: Does a hairstyle make you interesting as well? I'm not sure I've ever had that down as a particularly no, we, we strong about personality this. trait.
0: I think me and James were talking about this on Twitter the other day because James put a picture of of uh, Andre Rublev sorting his hair out and and like Andre now Andre Rublev has a hairstyle, doesn't he? It's That's like a what a fantastic hair. I think I think he's got the best hair in men's tennis. Um up there with you know, to be fair, City Pass has got is up there. Um, it's, a, it's a good
2: lid. It's a good lid.
0: Yeah, yeah. Djokovic definitely not. Mm. Um, toilet brush. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I saw the other day actually just just veering off. I saw that Riley Apelka had when when Murray had won had said that this confirms him as the fourth best player of all time. And I thought, yeah, you know, Murray's been great. I'm a massive Andy Murray fan, but come on, <laughs> like, is this what we're going at now? Like, you know, Andy Andy Murray's not the fourth best tennis player of all time. Like I don't even think, I don't even think Nadal's the second, the third best player of all time. I, I'm not even sure the other, two you know, there's a debate whether the other two are one and two. But mm. I think it's like I do think there's this sort of recency bias with with things now,
2: and I suppose just the veering of, you know. How much more the majors have become the yardstick over the years, I suppose as well. Yeah, it's weird. I do find guys. that.
0: I do find that weird. I've <laughs> said that before. You know, it's like before, I remember. I remember when Pete Sampras broke Roy Emerson's record. I think it was eleven, and then Sampras levelled it at eleven or ten. I can't remember which one it was, but no one thought Roy Emerson was the best tennis player of all time before that. Mm. And that was still ten. You know, that was still a lot. It wasn't a few. <laughs> um, but you know, and then suddenly now it's like we have to. It's a, but it's weird, like how we. I don't think sports so. So linear like that. It's the same with like Messi and Messi and Ronaldo, isn't it? Like when Messi won the World Cup the other week, and then one of my mates told me, "God, oh, this confirms him as the goat now." And it's like, well, what? Are you, this is not even the best version of Messi. <laughs> so you know, it's like he's well past his best. So like, how does this mean that he's that he's the best of all time? Um, yeah, I, I, I just you know, it's weird how people. I think you've got to include numbers, but also. It's the eye test as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
2: And it, and just to annoy any potential football fans on here, I mean, I, I always preferred uh, from the eye test, Ronaldinho is very best in that one season. I thought he well, was just well, absolutely phenomenal as well.
0: Well, I do, I do think, like, and it comes into football and tennis as well, and I have this debate with, with with my mates before, it's how long is, you know, when you talk about longevity, how long is longevity relevant? Like, because, you know, as you said, George, Ronaldinho for about two years no one was better than him. Messi and Messi and Ronaldo at their prime weren't better than that two years of Ronaldinho or the two years that you got of Ronaldo, the first Ronaldo. But they just kept it going longer. But is that relevant? Because you, you know, I, I don't know if it is. And it's yeah. the same with Djokovic and and Federer and and, and Murray. You know, it's like it's, does the fact that they've that Djokovic has had this ten years of of brilliance, it might make him the greatest if we want to use those phrases, but I still think, and I've said it on the pod, I still think the best tennis player of all time is, is John McEnroe. Mm. I think at at his peak and all things considered pound for pound, I think nobody had a command of a tennis ball and a tennis court as much as John McEnroe did. And uh, he just didn't, he retired early and he was, you know, didn't play for some years.
2: So I'll push you on your prediction. Getting us back to the Australian Open. Yeah. We, we've flown off on all the tangents here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um Djokovic, I think you you're going to say is going to win.
0: I think Djokovic will win in straight sets. It wouldn't surprise me if we get four. Wouldn't surprise me maybe if he lost the first or second. Um, you know, and, and then then took charge of it. Or, you know, I think he probably wins the third and fourth comfortably with two one or two close sets early doors. Yeah. S- Sitsipas has to serve brilliantly. If he doesn't, then then it's done.
2: Yeah, I, I, hard to disagree with that. Really, I think Djokovic in yeah, three or four seems seems sensible. But you never know. He's a weird bloke, Novak, and he sometimes he is, just he likes is, he to he... give people two set leads and muck around yeah. as well and hoax them. It seems. Yeah, so. and
0: then you know, I, mean, I can just you can imagine it if they're both at their prime and like. We've got one of them going off to the toilet and the other one clutching his hamstring. <laughs> yeah. <and> the, t- <laughs> the the gap between the first and the, second sets is about 25 minutes. God.
2: The dad's coming to blows yeah, in the yeah, stands. the dad's
0: one of them holding up a Putin flag <laughs> and the, the, the other one coach. Oh, he's allowed to coach now, isn't he? So.
2: Yeah. I mean, we'll just briefly mention that Putin thing here. I mean, that we're, we're going to have a longer chat with that, with James on this on Sunday. But for those of you who've not seen Djokovic's father's once again, yeah. kind of got embroiled in a, a random off-court thing where he was pictured kind of taking pictures with uh, Ra- Putin-supporting Russians, who I think some of whom were Serbian and just expressing their support for Putin, or at least there was a bit of a crossover anyway amongst those fans. Um, <clears throat> Djokovic has said it was a kind of misinterpretation. We'll, we'll dive more into that when we've got a bit more time. And I'm sure James is is very across it and normally has lots of... Uh, good opinions and facts on that. So we're not ignoring it for now, but we're we're focusing on the semis and finals here. I, I think
0: on that, I'd built. seen that, you know, I think we, there was the, um, was it Kostyuk's quotes mm. earlier on today about how aggressive Djokovic's fans were. And, you know, we know that from the pod. Um, and, you, you know, and just on that, as we saw the other day, one of Novak's biggest fans suggesting that, the, the Putin supporters had been placed there by the media to um, to, to, to get pictures with Novak's dad. They're That's, onto us. Yeah. Um, that was one of the highlights for me this week.
2: <laughs> one of the tournament highlights so far. Let's, yeah. let's move um, <clears throat> to the women's final, which I'm quite pleased we've got as a final, Calvin, because last time we got together, I said, Sablenka is the person I think is most likely to win the tournament. And Calvin Besson said, Rybakina's is the person I'd make the favourite yeah. to win the tournament. Um, so we're both sort of justifying them reaching the final. Has your view changed with the two of them being there versus kind of what's happened okay. since and what that's, we've seen at the tournament?
0: That's a good question, actually. Um, I do think it's as close to a 50-50 as you can get. And I do think it has a potential to be a great match.
2: I'm really and, looking uh, forward uh, to it.
0: Uh, yeah. A good one. I, 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 and I think what women's tennis really needs is a really great final. It, it's due one, isn't it? We haven't had one for some time. We, and, and by great, I don't mean long or close. There are different things. I mean, one where there's there's quality and drama. And I, I think that this could provide it. And I, and I really hope it does.
2: It's felt a much better women's tournament than a men's one, this one for me in terms of like a lot of the kind of bigger names reaching each other in, in kind of later matches or people who've been there in slams before. I don't know if you'd necessarily agree with that. I mean, there's, there's been some kind of weirder ones coming through, but you know, six of your eight quarter finalists being yeah. Rybakina, Ostapenko, Azarenka, Pliskova, Sabalenka, you know, the, these are guys who've been yeah, in and range, around the semis yeah. of slams before. Um, Obviously it's Viontech losing, but even then that was to Rybakina who's won a slam last year. You know, so big match this one though like rybakina sabalenka two players who feel could push sviontek and be that kind of regular top 5 yeah, and,
0: and I, I think in that match with rybakina you know that again comes back to that that where i said are you good enough do you believe you're good enough that was somebody who did and was and did and and there's too many who don't you, you know i think that's that's you could see in that match that rybakina just didn't care who she was playing she's going to hit yeah. the ball hard and yeah. you know what will we'll, she'll bring her a game, and I I think that it's kind of like I mean I think Schontz great, but I do think the tournament's probably been better for her losing just because mm. you don't you know it kind of was getting into a procession, wasn't it?
2: Mm. And you mentioned there people who think they're going to win or not. I mean Sabalenka's been someone who you almost firmly have in the other camp in terms of mentality. Yeah. I'll read yeah. you a couple of quotes from her just to, on this. I realize that no one other than me will help. In pre-season, I spoke to my psychologist saying, listen, I feel I have to deal with that by myself because every time I'm hoping that someone will fix my problem, it's not fixing my problem. I just have to take this responsibility and I have to deal with that. I'm my psychologist. So kind of talking about her mental challenges there and how she's kind of faded away in the big stage. I mean, I've had a good feeling for her at this tournament. I Before the draw came out, I liked the draw. It felt like she was playing well, eradicated some of the issues she was having you know, on the serve. Etc. in previous years. Do you, I mean, she's won this match three times in a row, but they've all been three tight, three setters. So I don't know how much you read into that head to head, but do you feel she's mentally ready now? Do you do you sense she's turned a corner in the way that maybe we didn't think Sissipas had given his draw, for example?
0: I think it's different with, with Sabalenka because I don't think it's a belief that she can't beat players. I think she thinks that she can beat anybody. I think it's, it's the big tournaments. I think it's later on. Can she win the big tournaments? And 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 it's more of a situation thing than a player thing. Um, so I think that will be interesting. So we know that she's good enough to beat Rubikina because, like you say, she's beaten her three times. If she, it, it'll be interesting to see how because what she 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 has she has always beaten Rubikina, but she's never won a slam final. So something's going to have to give on it, mm. isn't it?
2: I, and Rubikina, I mean. <sighs> I wouldn't say she played amazingly in a, in the Wimbledon final last year against Jabbour. You know, it was a bit up and down. But once she got going, she's got so many weapons that if you drop your level yeah. on the other end, she's going to hold that serve. She's got a big booming forehand. and she does take care of business pretty well. I mean, this is yeah. what she's kind of said, like everything was new at Wimbledon. It's nervous no matter what, because it's a final. But I more or less understand what to expect is that experience really important given what we've just said about Sabalenka you know she's really struggled to in the later stages of tournaments she's not been here before Rybakina has and has dealt with it relatively well is she the favorite from that perspective now
0: it's a weird one though george with with pressure and <laughs> and nerves and i know jim courier has this phrase and I, and i really like it that you you can't prepare for it because you never know when it's going to happen and then this this thing about experience he said that it's irrelevant. You you never get you can get experience in other things, but once the nerves come, that they, they come in. They don't experience doesn't stop that. They come and they will cripple you. And and it's then just about minimizing it. But having experience, having done it previously, it's 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 irrelevant in that circumstance. So I, I just think it's an interesting there's so many different things to look at in this match. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't read too much into it that because Ribeka has done it before that she'll she she she'll be more comfortable than Sabalenka. Um, I just think it's what I'm still unsure about is whether Sabalenka can, yeah, because she, she's definitely got the game. She can win it.
2: I mean, just in terms of their form this tournament, they've dropped one set between them. I mean, Sabalenka has blown everyone away. Ribekaina dropped one set in the third round to to Danielle Collins, which you know is. You know. Still a pretty tough draw that early on in a slam. Um they've both been tested at various points. Ribakina's last few though have been pretty tough. I mean, Sfiontek, well from Collins. Collins, Sfiante, Ostapenko, Azarenka. You know, that's a that's a pretty stiff
0: stiff I think run. It's, for again, you. I, I think that's another interesting thing about it because I, I come back to I've told the story before the, the, the Agassi story in um I think it was ninety-five or ninety-six in the US Open when he absolutely crushed everyone in all the warm-up tournaments and in the tournament. And he got to the final. I don't think he lost a set. He was absolutely crushing everybody for about three months. And he got to he played Sampras, and I think he went set down in a breakdown. And he lost in four sets, I think, three or four. And he came off and he just said he'd forgotten how to be losing. Mm-hmm. And and, and once you when you're winning so easy all the time. You you then think oh shit what's happening here and you forget what it's like to then have to play. There's a different way of playing when you're behind than there is in front, and sometimes you can forget how to play when you're not winning easy. And I think it will then come to with those two, and you wonder whether that might help Rabakina, that she has lost a set. Whereas if Sabalenka goes a break or a set down, it's you know then we've got we might have an issue.
2: And Rebecca has got that experience of going behind in a slam final, yeah. of course. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, Sabalenka on a roll, not had this experience yeah. before. Yeah, do you, do you get see the, that? Goes.
0: If she's behind, is it oh, It's happening again. It's another big, another big match, and I'm down again. And it's not, it's not happening. Yeah.
2: I'll push you for a prediction then. I, 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 I agree with you. I think this is a real 50 50. And I, you know, even though I've been confident in Sabalenka, this is arguably the one opponent's Sviantek aside. I wouldn't be that confident in it. It is really close.
0: I think, I think Rabakina just, I'm not saying she will just win in a close match. I slightly favor her. I wouldn't want to pick the score. I'm very slightly favor. It's 51 49. Okay. I will,
2: I'll stick with Sabalenka then from. From the perspective, I had a good feeling about her before the tournament started. And I I didn't have much of a feeling about Rybakina, who's been fairly hopeless since Wimbledon, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to see her kind of backing up at the slams. I mean, just just a final thing on those two. I mean, do you see them propelling themselves? And I mean, Sabalenka, it feels, has been consistent at tour level all the time to kind of start building this dominance with Sviontek. Can we expect Rybakina to... Also do that now, and kind
0: of. I don't have know the if three
2: we, of them going well or
0: not. I don't know if we can expect them because I think you know what what Rubikina has shown is inconsistency before. Um I think they're probably the two players who Svantek would least like to play. Yeah. Um I still think Svantek's the best player in the world. I still think she would beat beat both of them more often than she doesn't beat both of them. But I think they're probably. With with Osaka out of the game for a year and not being at her best for a, another year, um, I think they're probably the two players who she doesn't want to see at the other side of the net in big matches.
2: And is that just because of the huge weapons? Yeah, it's got, the huge power. Nobody
0: wants away. to see that. No, nobody wants to see. You know, the players who, who players don't want to play at the best is somebody who can just blow you away. And it's the same reason as why why the the big the big three in inverted commas why they didn't want to play Del Potro and Stan Wawrinka. Because they're the were the two players along with Murray who was just really really good. Um, they were the two players who they thought this could actually not be on my racket. Mm. And then I think it's the same with 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 Schwantek with those two. You know that she she Schwantek can play well against those two, and they can still take the racket out of hand.
2: Well, it'd be nice that both of them will be in the top ten regardless after the tournament, and hopefully it'd be really nice. I think if they can consolidate themselves as top. Top five. I mean, Saberlank is up to number two. Rubakina up to number 10, can go as high as eight with the title. Yeah, yeah. Um That's pretty much all we've got time for. Um We'll catch up after the tournament, Calvin, and dive into a few more of the the wider stories that have been kicking off. Yeah, but yeah. as ever, pleasure chatting with you and hope you enjoy the finals. They're not complete duds.
1: And that was all they had time for. I hope you enjoyed listening to George and Calvin there. They could only coordinate... A time to record that was in the rare hours of sleep that I actually get during this tournament. You'll hear from me more when we do our full post-tournament podcast. You will probably have seen lots about Nowak Djokovic and Sherdan Djokovic, which I found myself somewhat at the centre of. We'll talk much more about that and um, the ins and outs of how these stories break and what happens when they do and the carnage in the press room that follows, um, at least usually and particularly on this occasion. Uh, I wanted to talk very briefly about the the tennis that I've seen this week and George and Calvin have covered it very kind of um, comprehensively but it's been interesting being here uh, and I think the thing I wanted to really touch upon was my surprise at Friday night when Novak Djokovic again thumped his opponent. Tommy Paul happened to be the bloke but doesn't really matter at the moment who turns up against Novak Djokovic as far as I can tell. It was a surprisingly pro Tommy Paul crowd Um, and I don't think that's to say it was an anti Djokovic crowd certainly at the beginning they were very pro Djokovic and lots of Serbian flags as usual and then he went 5-1 up and, and after the second break there wasn't really much of a cheer it was like oh pay quite a lot of money for these tickets Friday night in Melbourne it's a nice warm evening And it looks like Novak Djokovic is just going to absolutely horse him again. And all of a sudden, those tickets don't look like very good value. Uh, So I think that probably explains why there was plenty of support for Tommy Paul. He also plays sometimes quite an exciting brand of tennis, I think, for the most part. Djokovic didn't let him play that quite exciting brand. He, He said as much afterwards that the plan was to try and serve and volley a lot and get forward. And Djokovic's game was just too good and... He got scared off it. Basically, he said Djokovic just kept hitting the baseline on return, and Tommy Paul felt that he wasn't getting enough of an advantage off the serve that he could get to the net. Uh, which is a shame, you know. I'd like like to have seen him go out and at least give it a go, sort of um, roll the dice. But it clearly wasn't going to happen, and um, Djokovic was far far too good. Um, George and I did argue on WhatsApp about who had had the easier draw to the final. I think Stefan Sitsapas was pushed very hard by Karen Hatchinoff. I think Karen Hatchinoff is a very capable player. I know he's got this quite bad record against the very elite opponents, but he is more than capable of causing a lot of trouble. As he proved when he nicked the third set, um, that backhand is a almost a weapon. I know Calvin always says that the backhand is never a weapon or, or the worst weapon to have, but it's a very good backhand and he was able to sort of pepper the baseline well enough that it put Sitsipas under a lot of pressure and credit to Sitsipas he regathered himself after that third set blip and played very well to see out the match so from a psychological perspective I think that is a positive for Sitsipas going forward Um, I still think Djokovic will win it I think he'll probably win it in four sets he's been so imperious this fortnight that it's very hard to see anything else happening Uh, The women's final, which may already have happened by the time you hear this, but um, it's worth me making an idiot of myself anyway. I think Rybakina will win it, because uh, while Irina Sabalenka seems to have got a handle on her emotions, you don't know what's going to happen until you get into a Grand Slam final, and Rybakina has been there before. And I think her game is just a bit more reliable. I don't think, uh, like Calvin said, 51-49, I'm probably 55-45 towards Rybakina, because... I just think she's a bit more consistent, got a slightly, a game that is slightly more reliable under pressure, and actually what she proved in the semi-final um, was that even when her first serve isn't firing, as it really wasn't, I think she was potentially below 50% first serve against Victoria Azarenka. even then I think you know she proves she can still win matches with the rest of her game. Her backhand as well is a very fine shot and very reliable and, and very powerful, so... They're they're my picks uh, for what they're worth. As I say, we'll be back, the three of us, uh, in a couple of days to do a full Australian Open review podcast. Uh, But in the meantime, please do come back and enjoy the finals. Sports Social Podcast Network.